1: Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, the numbers are counting.
0: Hopefully, the battery will hold out. Yeah, I think it should be. It's full battery. Okay. <clears throat> Today's topic is odd. <laughs> so rather than focusing on a brick, which I think most of our podcasts are like, we're going to focus on a very specific brick. For building a better world, I've kind of come to the conclusion that we've left a piece out, and and we've left a piece out that connects people to the work that we do, and um, uh, so. I've got something here and and uh um uh, Fred and Jennifer helped me to rephrase it. The cure for childhood cancer and how my projects can help. So, what we're going to do is we're going to try to make a connection between childhood cancer and how to solve global problems. And so, using the projects that we do as some of the examples um but I think I think that the by the end I hope that the biggest message that we will have conveyed is that uh, from the wheat and eco scale level we need to focus on the level zero people, and that the focus needs to be to come up with bricks to feed them where their motivation is for themselves like I think that the um, the the most important component is, is is rather than sacrifice is to guide them into Uh, in, in into hap, they just happen to save the world. They just happen to make the world a better place. But it's, it's through other motivations. And we just need to come up with those and get that information out there. Um, and so we've got a way of saying that. And, um, I kind of, and so I'm at the table here with, with Fred and Jennifer and Josiah. And all of them, I feel like all the work that we do here is starts with knowing this already. So, so this thing is not news to anybody. But I kind of feel like. This is a missing component out of the podcasts and it is a missing component in so much of the work that I do that it's, it became, it it suddenly became blatantly obvious that we needed to do that. But you know, there, there are hints of it in the book. There are hints of it in many of the resources that we've alluded to and several people, you know, to them it was obvious without having it said, but I think it's past time to, to say it. So, before we get going, does anybody have a thing that they want to say? No? no. No. All right. Nah. All right. Um, I I got it. So we so we've got the, the the current title is the cure for. Uh, so I wrote something this morning um, when I should have been doing other work. <laughs> And we're gonna, we're gonna use it as the template for what we're about to go through. So the cure for childhood cancer and how my projects can help. And I, I wanted to say how permaculture can help, um, but the conversation gets way too broad and suddenly we're exposed to all kinds of debates. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I wanna limit the conversation to just my stuff. Uh, seven years ago I stated the mission here, so there's a link to a a thread where basically it's got a video where um a bunch of kids with cancer are, um, uh, what are they lip-syncing to a song, and about how they're going to, you know, get through this and through endurance and and being tough. Um, and then I kind of listed off a bunch of the projects that we're doing that are an attempt to basically um, resolve childhood cancer, uh, but. Um, Let's take more than seven seconds to think about children with cancer, uh, starting with this statement that I wrote seven years ago. In 1950, there was one pediatric oncology ward. Now there are over 200. And in my book, there was a statement that I wrote, um, and, and it uh, was debated by, by doctors on the Permes.com staff as well as, um, engineers and many other people. They, they found the words that I was using to be, like, inconceivable, like, like too far-fetched, like, I was exaggerating. And then we put a shout out to the uh, daily I think they're the Plotzketeers, and, and said, um, all right, we need the information. And this is a bizarre thing about the internet, and I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this, but there have been things where I do the research, and I'll come up with five or six extremely credible sources for something, and I'll be able to then state something as a fact. And I'll feel very comfortable with it. And then later... I'll get called out on it and I'll go and I'll look it up and those those sources are gone. They're not there anymore. I'll even make links to them or bookmark them and they're gone. They're not there anymore. And it's I just kind of feel like, what the fuck happened? So I hope that in the podcast notes for this podcast, people will reply and say, yes, they've experienced that too because I've experienced it at least a dozen times. But, I went to go and look this information up and I couldn't find it. And what, I, the statement I said is that, and we start, the, the book starts out by quoting Charles Dickens, I believe, from uh, something he wrote in, I think it was 1863, A Tale of Two Cities. It's, it's his opening to A Tale of Two Cities. And then, so, I then say, well, since that was written, things are better and worse. And so, but, one of the things i stated was is that there is now 400 times more cancer than there was in 1863 that's what i originally wrote and that got people pissed and so and i i stood behind my words throughout the entire book and i had lots and lots of challenges from the permies.com staff who are challenging it to help me and so yay Thank you. Um, and they challenged it, and they were emphatic on this point. We um, found the found the proof. It, 400 is the correct number. There's 400 times, not four, not 400 percent more, 400 times more. 400 times more cancer now than in the smoky days of Dickens. And so. That's numbing. It's just that the toxins are far more subtle today than they were back then. And they're fucking everywhere. This is nauseating and sickening. And and proof. And in the book, um, Sean felt like we should push it back and we eventually agreed to saying one hundred instead of four hundred. And and it's kinda like it's kind like with rocket mass heaters. If we said that they saved your saved thirty percent off of your you know, like you heated your home with thirty percent less wood, I think that rocket mass heaters would be ten times more popular than they are now. But the fact that they can heat your home with one tenth the wood, it's just too unbelievable. This is too too crazy. And people just can't do it. They just can't you know, get into that. And so it's rejected out of hand. All right. So does anybody want to take issue right now with the 400 number? I mean, I kind of feel like it is the first time it was told to me it was a physician that was telling it to me and that she had quit being a doctor because she got way too much hostility from her colleagues about it, but she was adamant, absolutely adamant. And, um, I was, and it was at a sepulcher event and, and she was just, in my... She got up in my face as much as a small woman can and while standing and and was, was being very loud and stating that it's important that I understand this as an absolute fact and that I need to go do my own fucking research because I was skeptical. And as I'm sure everybody listening to this is and they should be and the people at this table are even kind of making faces like, I don't know.
2: I mean... My only question, and I haven't read the debate, I'm going to assume this came up, but is that like a diagnostic artifact? Like in 1860, we just... Failed to diagnose many many deaths, for instance, by ca- of cancer, and wrote you know unknown causes or something on the death certificate, and now we know they die of cancer.
0: So the debate that happened in the for- in the um, staff only forum, yeah. which um, Fred and Jennifer have access to, um, and uh, covered that. Yeah. there was a lot of that, yeah. and so then you know we got into a, like, and then what are the where do the numbers come from? And then plus it's like for a lot of people um they just died of being old right and it's like and they may have actually died of cancer but you know so we we examined that criteria yeah. in a in a great way um I got to say that it's entirely plausible that the number could turn out to be something closer to three hundred and ninety two yeah, okay. or or four hundred and seventeen you know, but i I do believe that the numbers we were looking at were pretty accurate and and there was a lot of yes, there's a lot of different um, criteria for how to um, measure that sort of a thing.
1: I think one thing that might reduce it a little bit is that people are living longer now
2: right and Mm -hmm. so
1: there's more of your life more chances to develop cancer um
2: if you don't but
1: it, it's not going to be much of that four hundred percent. And you. life's a bit less stabby now than it used to be.
0: I mean, there's we have more gunshot wounds probably.
2: Probably, but yeah, if you don't get like thrown by a horse from your carriage at forty or whatever, right. it's harder to get cancer,
0: right, or die of the plague or, or whatever is going around back. You know, you're right. There's there's other things that that play a bigger picture, but still, four hundred. Yeah. I mean, you right. know,
1: four hundred. Well, yeah, and then certainly that number probably doesn't affect childhood cancer, which, you know, those rates are are much higher. Ah, yeah, now we're getting somewhere.
0: Okay, so um, I'm going to read another segment of what I wrote this morning. I remember many decades ago when learning about a problem like this, I would concentrate deeply about solutions. My mind reeled, the problem was massive. And it's stuck in my brain, niggling away, uh, and, and many other global problems, but I'm going to stick to just this one for the moment. It seemed too big 30 years ago. I just couldn't, there's nothing I could do. That's what I felt like. I felt like there was nothing I could do. It's beyond me. But about 15 years ago, I think I may have solved it. And... It was in 2004 that I decided to quit my career and do the path that somehow I've roped you guys into. <laughs> you volunteered. I didn't rope you. You volunteered. That you all volunteered for. You thought, I'll suffer with Paul. That looks like a great way to piss away my life. Something like that? Am I
3: close? Yeah, that's about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and now a shout out for the all-volunteer staff at permies.com.
3: <laughs> um,
0: is what you guys are doing here, would you consider that being a volunteer? I'm not sure how to phrase it. Yeah.
2: Right. It's a semi... Like, obviously, we weren't, like, conscripted or anything, but there are sort of... There are payoffs. Like, we get room and board. There's the whole rent thing in Ant Village. So, like, not fully volunteer, but not, I'm not fully not.
3: I'm not motivated to be here by a paycheck. Yeah. You know, the only reason that it functions for me is that I'm I'm giving my time to something that's a higher purpose than money. So I'm
0: obsessed with this stuff. I can't stop doing it, and my I have had more I've had probably three to five different doctors tell me how I need to do less, and I think I do a little bit less. You guys observe me doing less. I so my doctors could come and ask you, (laughs) (laughs) and I think by seven o'clock at night I switch to non-permaculture things. Yes. So um, I'm making progress and so when there's a Kickstarter right there's yeah. some of that it's like the time for the Kickstarter has got to come from somewhere
2: oh yeah do you want to talk about the Kickstarter real quick
0: oh yeah I'm doing a Kickstarter now support my Kickstarter thank you <laughs> <laughs> well we did the last podcast with all about the Kickstarter yeah, wasn't totally, it yeah totally. and the one before that yeah. so I think they know about the pod, the, the, the Kickstarter so the Kickstarter is still going it's triple funded now and uh, yay yay okay <clears throat> um Okay, room and board ain't much, and uh but but hopefully there's you know more to it but i'm I'm hoping that everybody that comes here ends up with a sweet ass retirement package great. Um, yeah, what are you laughing about?, <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: that's a really great way to phrase it, yeah, just you know. And you could retire before you're 30 if you get here. I'm actually weight. already retired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of. And I
2: can't retire before
3: we're 30.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I have to point out it's because 30, 30 left. Yeah. 30,
2: 30 is in the rear view mirror. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. All
0: right. So um. I all right. Let's let's here's here's the important part. Solving childhood cancer in two steps. Okay, step one. Cancer comes from carcinogens. Known and unknown. All people everywhere need to reduce the collective carcinogens in their life by 85%. Before you guys get a chance to kick that one, I'm going to go on to step two. People will not eliminate carcinogens from their life as a sacrifice. I think that they'll say that they will, but I don't think that they will. But they will do it if there is a benefit. We need to find those benefits and tell everybody. Okay, those are the two steps. Reduce, cancer by, uh, reduce carcinogens by 85%. And we we need to uh, find the benefits and tell everybody. Those are the two steps. This is the moment where you guys can tell me, like, I, I selected the number up there, 85%. Everybody, all people everywhere need to reduce their collective carcinogens in their life by 85%. Does that seem like a fair number? I mean... Granted, as if you a guess, yes. as a yeah, wild exactly. guess, yes, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a number. It's a number. I mean, if you did it by eighty percent, you would be solving it to a certain degree.
2: Maybe. And if you did it by ninety-five, it, it'd probably be even better. Maybe. maybe.
0: I mean, I'm kind of thinking about eighty-five is where we've got a little bit of a turning point. Yeah. Like beyond eighty-five, I think that the uh, return on effort starts to diminish probably greatly,
1: so. yeah. and it's like yeah, uh, Fred? Oh well, I think to get. The actual number we would have to see, like how many carcinogens are in our life now compared to before, and, and now and we're, reduce them by that percentage. And
0: then we're measuring the things that are even, including the things that are unknown,
1: right? And so, so sorry, how
0: can we measure that?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: it's a, it's, a, it's a big one there. All right. Um, anything about these two steps? These I think that these are the, solving childhood cancer in two steps. Did I do it? Have I accomplished it? If if I just cured childhood cancer I mean I, a cure is different than a prevented, so maybe you didn't Oh okay, all right. But but I do think that there are I'm gonna say millions of people actively working on a cure for cancer. And apparently it's um it's it's so I don't know. I'm going to use the word unachievable. That it's considered like one of life's great mysteries, and it's it's something that's going to be not only a lifetime pursuit but a generational pursuit. Am I close? And and yet I kind of feel like no, this is this is this kind of does the same thing. I I kind of read it in like under a minute, I think. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, if you reduce the amount of cigarette smoke that's in your lungs you're going to reduce the amount of lung cancer that you get.
0: Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of progress in that space. um, There's been a lot of people that have stopped smoking and and dominantly because of the lung cancer issue. Right. Okay.
2: Although I do think that brings up the point that like, I mean, one, speaking of benefits, not getting cancer is an enormous benefit.
0: Yeah. What a a neat thing. Um, But that turns out to be not motivation enough.
2: Exactly. I think Yeah. That
0: most people still firmly believe that that cancer comes from the cancer fairy. They are absolutely convinced mm-hmm. that that it's like the, the the whole way they talk about it. Our language is all about like ah, oh, right? You were That's too bad. Yeah, you, yeah, that's you know it's unfortunate. You know, and and there's there's no causality
3: discussion. Right, we have such a short attention attention span when it comes to these things that have such long feedback loops. You know, you don't you don't see the result of getting cancer until 20, 30 years after you have started imbibing the, the carcinogens, and it's you know it's it it uh it's similar with all these other issues that have long feedback loops, like issues with ecological destruction and and uh, you know species diversity decreasing and um. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It, and so it's like when you're looking for these benefits, and it's specifically not like the don't-get-cancer benefit, it's like what's the benefit that you feel tomorrow? What's the benefit yeah. that you get next week yeah. from this kind of thing? And I feel like my book
0: tries to do that. I, I In fact, um, I believe all three of you have read my book. Yes. Correct. And so um, I think that the book... Is loaded to the gills with stuff like that, where it's kind of like, all right, all right, all right. So cancer comes from the cancer fairy. Let's see if we can come up with some things that are going to give you immediate benefit right. and you know immediate savings, um, immediate luxury, immediate you know. And then these are the bricks. And um, and it, and I'm kind of and part of this the the, the reason why. Uh, I woke up this morning and needed to write this, and then said, "I think we should record a podcast." Is because of the question that I ask myself every morning that I get up, and I probably ask myself 30 times a day every day. And uh, something, and I've got like a list of these questions. One of them being like, "Why is my book not selling a hundred times more?" than it is. So right now, I sell, I don't know, seven copies a week, something like that. Why is it not selling 700 copies a week? Why is it that it's not on? I My understanding of how the New York Times bestseller list works has something to do with you have to have a publisher to be on that list. Like self-pubs don't get to be there. But if I did self-pub, I wouldn't have been allowed to say the things I needed to say in that fucking book. So it's like it has to be self-pub. And so, um uh, all right. Why? What can I do to fix it? How do we get more sales? How do we fill the boot camp and have a waiting list of 200 people wanting to be in the boot camp? Um, how do I get more money to my Kickstarter? How do I, um, I mean, in order to do all the things that we do, I mean, I I think we could probably record 15 podcasts about what we would do if we had more money. Um, I mean, there's a constant discussion of like, which projects do we do based upon the amount of budget that we have at this time and the number of people that are here. Totally. And so it's like, I suppose we might have a full boot camp if we had put, I don't know, I am going to make up a number, $100,000 into marketing. And instead, it's pretty much exclusively whatever we've got on the website. And that's kind of all there is. We do have a listing out at Woof. You know, and uh, but but I always, you know, kind of think that's the pod people that are going to be coming out here. And um, I think another good question like, here we are, we're talking about the greenhouse, and there's a lot to talk about, there's tons to talk about in the greenhouse. And, And it's like, we do have an engineer who is doing the drawings. Why haven't we heard from four more engineers? about, like, different aspects on it and the design and, and different drawings and wanting to put their shoulder in. And it's like, I think there's a piece missing. And that it just occurred to me this morning that this piece might be missing. That's why we're doing all of this.
2: I do think we have some engineers in the forums discussing the design.
0: Yes, we have yeah. several engineers. We do. It's yeah. true. It's yeah. true. So I think... um uh, and, and we kind of talked about this before we started the podcast. I was just kind of curious, like, because I, I kind of feel like this thing, this, this thing that I wrote this morning, I, and it's, I don't know, we've kind of alluded to it over the years, but I haven't said it explicitly, but I think, I think that this might, this could be the thing that's been holding stuff up and gumming up the works. Maybe, maybe not but maybe if i don't if i say it explicitly maybe that'll help to get everything to start to work better like it'll improve our overall forward velocity right. so i asked the question uh, before we started recording this i said all right who are some of the big players in the environment like who's at the who's at the top of the list who's who's like making the biggest positive difference on the planet right now ooh we didn't mention the girl, Greta, Greta.
2: Greta Thunberg. I, yeah, I was going to mention her. She's, she's pretty trendy right now. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say, let's say Greta mm-hmm. is number Greta is ahead of Al Gore, 350.org, Vandana Shiva, um, Rachel Carson, who died, but from cancer, um, uh, but, you know these are the these are the people that are making the difference in the environmental movement but let's put greta at the top okay. am i causing if if i had the attention that greta had would we have a would would the planet have a stronger forward velocity like if my book has been read by a tenth of the people That idolize Greta, would we be moving, would the planet be moving in a stronger, positive direction?
2: That's a hard question to answer. I mean, I think it depends on how willingly people implement the solutions in your book. I I can't answer that. Like, Greta focuses mostly on either policy-based solutions or things that are you know, changing your light bulbs, or or maybe buying organic, or something like that. Some buying local, relatively easy to implement solutions. I think a lot of the things you talk about in your book are awesome and have, would have a huge positive impact if people were willing to implement them. But they're pretty unfamiliar to people.
0: Yeah, yeah. they are pretty unfamiliar. All right, I. <clears throat> so all right, uh, let's move along. Yeah. Um, Unless anybody's got anything to add to this point. All right. I I mean, I want to go on about Greta. I mean, her stuff's quite political, really. Exactly. She's she is being angry at bad guys. I mean, boy, she makes a great angry face. At (laughs) I've seen pictures of her like in the same room as certain individuals and giving them the fucking stink eye. She's got a great stink eye. (laughs) Like like you are the problem. Dick cheese. So, um, what a great look! She doesn't even have to say "Dick cheese." You just read it on the expression on her face.
3: Um, there's a there's a guy working um, on regenerative agriculture in more and more commercial spaces. Uh, his name's Dr. Zach Bush, and he I think he takes a different approach where he, he's trying to work with existing large scale agricultural systems to take like the the newest science in uh, gut lining and interaction with uh, carcinogens and and how that relates then to the landscape management. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Because it it takes it sort of out of the hands of the consumers and into the hands of the producers, but that still takes um, you know that takes like systemic change from a policy side or from a, like a market demand side or market supply side. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas your solutions are, you know, they're they're actually Simple things that I want to do in my spare time.
0: I kind of, I kind of feel like a lot of my stuff has to do with um, rather than saying like, okay, here we've got this 10,000 acres over here, and now let's let's do our farming in a different way. That I think that a big part of what I'm advocating is is instead, uh, I'm going to go and find 10,000 people. And and help them grow a garden right. and and not only help them grow a garden, but give them advice that's going to lead towards polyculture and rich soil and things of that nature. So um, but yes, I think that the way that he's approaching it is let's try to change policy, let's try to change the farmer's techniques, let's try and find a path that could be more profitable right. for the for, the, exactly. for big ag. Mm-hmm. Let's have big ag move possibly uh, one step away from chem ag. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a large positive. I mean, we could talk about Michael Pollan. Um, we could uh, talk about Alan Savory. Yeah. 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 So I, um, uh, there's a long, long list of people, Joel Salatin, and we do. We talk about all these
3: people.
2: Willie Smits is doing huge, oh, incredible work. Yeah. On a really big scale. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I mean, to, to differentiate between you and, and these other people that we're talking about is that um, a lot of your solutions are place based in the northern climate. Um, and, you know, some of them apply to anyone anywhere. Um, and a lot of the, you know, the strategy for how you're solving these problems applies to anyone anywhere. But, um, a lot of the specific examples, a lot of the bricks that you provide are limited to a certain amount of the population that lives in a certain latitude in the world. I would say that probably a quarter to a third of the bricks are more about cold climate.
0: And so people in a warmer climate would find less value in them but, um, it's and it was kind of like in the book, there's a statement f- from Kay who's in Hawaii saying that she found everything in the book to be of value. but um i I agree with your analysis, and at the same time, a lot of the focus was when I, when writing the book <clears throat> was about okay, global problems where's where's the primary source for these global problems? Well, the United States of America. Okay, all right. So the 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 average shitstorm per person is bigger for the average adult American than for any other country in the world. Okay. And most of the United States is in a colder climate. and And so most of the population of the United States is in a colder climate. And so it's like, all right, let's go to where the primary problem is. But you're right. It is. Uh, there is some focus in there for a colder climate. Yes. And, um, and I, and I kind of feel like I needed to do that. Um, in large part because when we start talking about carbon footprint, it's like I don't think people realize. Uh, people think with carbon footprint, they think it's about which light bulb you buy and maybe buying a Tesla. And so, but but really, the number one contributor to um, the average adult's carbon footprint in the United States is how they heat their home. And so, I I think I I think I did the numbers in the book very thoroughly, to basically prove that to be true. So, I mean, you could. Skew the numbers eighteen different ways to try and, you know, stand on one foot and squink one eye and then and twist your neck sideways, and maybe it'll look like heat might come in at number two, but no, it's it's really number one. Alright, taking those two steps for solving childhood cancer, I can rework this statement a couple dozen times, changing the stuff about cancer to be about different global problems. And so I give an example. Solving climate change in two steps. Step one, climate change comes from carbon footprint. All people everywhere need to reduce their collective carbon footprint by 55%. Step two, people will not reduce their carbon footprint as a sacrifice, but they will do it if there is a benefit. We need to find those benefits and tell everybody. It's the exact same statement, but we just replaced childhood cancer with climate change. And so I kind of feel like dozens and dozens and dozens of different global problems can be slipped into this exact same statement. And I think a lot of the stuff that we're working on does exactly it, it, it solves many global problems. Okay, so we're going to take on this greenhouse project. That's what the Kickstarter's all about. So the Kickstarter's funded. It's definitely happening. We're making all kinds of plans. The designs are on rails. We're we're still working on. We're getting the materials lined up. We're trying to get more boots here in order to be able to make sure that the project uh, goes forward in a strong forward fashion. <clears throat> Why? What? What's the benefit? To the world, rather than focusing on what our immediate benefit is, but let's just talk about like if we do this, what does it do for the world? Who's got something?
3: Um, I mean, the number number like I think the number one thing that has been said or that I would point to um, based on uh, based on your values is reducing energy and climate change. Um, this, this design is another test of the Wafati concept. It's another test of how you can, um, use truly passive systems to heat and cool spaces, which then reduces your energy. Um, but the other thing that's wrapped up in every construction project that we do here is how do we eliminate all toxins from the build? How do we, how do we build it cheaply um, in a way that's affordable, that, that um, doesn't require extensive skill, um, and is not loaded with glue, uh, things that produce VOCs, paints, cement, things that have high energetic um, embodied energy. Um, and so it, that that's like wrapped up in every project here, and it's, it's kind of been going just we've just sort of taken that for granted but that really is one of our key values that we're trying to to implement and everything we do here is how do we reduce the exposure to toxicity that the people who build it and the people who live in it or use it have
0: i think, yeah well, one, so you mentioned two big things so you, you've got the childhood cancer in there so we're saw sol- this this thing actually does help to solve Child the king. because it's, you're right it's a footprint it's I mean, the Wafati project is going really well so far but it's it's something where it's like we're a little short-handed, we're a little low on coin we're getting by so things are going a little slower than what we would like but it also the, the testing is annual and so to really get a good test is going to take several years and so it's it's slow but <clears throat> in the end um imagine being able to heat with zero carbon like we're not burning a rock we're not running a rocket mass heater mm-hmm. we're not even like doing the micro heaters. you know it's 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 zero i mean we're just storing the heat from last uh summer to heat through the winter in montana so um and then there's the toxins thing and then yeah all that stuff you guys got
2: something uh that pretty much covered what i was going to say
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I kind of, and of course, we've got hundreds of bricks. We've got, we've got, I don't know. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna just make a wild 75 different projects that are here at Wheaton Labs that we've done that probably could use more documentation, um, but uh, we've we've done it it you know we're doing it there's more and it's kind of like okay we need more and, and this kind of comes back to the brk and that is that um the brk makes it so that the boots that come here end up with a little bit of coin and they have an incentive to post several pictures every day so there are four people that are currently actively posting at least three pictures a day every day and um Of all the things. So in time, all the stuff that we have here in theory will be well documented. And so, however, the uh, recent uh, illness, the recent pandemic um, has uh, reduced the BRK. It went from 1600, what is it now? 1800?
2: I think yeah, I think the last person who got the BRK has so far received less than $800.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's like I kind of wonder if the BRK was, I don't know, $4,000, if the boot camp would fill up in a, you know hardly any time at all. But um, And I think a lot of people, I mean, like right now this morning, you were talking to me about there's somebody who's interested in the boot camp and they're asking some questions, but it sounds like... They're curious about finances while they're here, and I kind of feel like, man, don't. If you've got debt, do not join the boot camp. That's this isn't a place to like clear debts.
2: No, no. I mean, I think you can live on very little money here, um, but. You're working full-time in the boot camp, so it's very difficult to also have a full-time worky job to make money to pay off debt if you have no savings.
0: Yeah, Yeah, plus I don't think that's what we really want. I mean, like... Yeah. Yeah, um like we don't want somebody that's coming here and they're working full-time and then they've got like a full-time commuter job or even a no. part-time commuter job it's like no this is for people that are here and and while there are ways for people to, to make money while they're here uh, I'd rather it's not some sort of worky job right <clears throat> all right from the Wheat and eco scale a good 70% of the population is not concerned about environmental issues so that would be your level zero people And about 15% are barely interested. So that would be level one. So without this 85%, 70 plus 15 is 85. Without this 85%, we cannot make change. We need bits of information that will give them benefit by their standards. And we tell them about those things. I think that if we're talking to somebody that's level three to level five, they already get this. But I think that people that are level zero, then by definition, they don't care about the environment. And they only care about, you know how to make more money or how to save money or how to have more luxury in their lives. So luxury might be a bigger TV, a faster car, um, whatever is by their standards. But more nightclubs, you know. Um, uh, Richer food. Uh, sure, sure. For the home team to to win the, the super. I, I saw a thing recently where it was like somebody started talking about the they, they had a printed thing about the Super Bowl, but they kept reading it about the superb owl party. <laughs> they wanted to go to a superb owl. They love owls, so they're going to go to the superb owl party.
2: I would go to that party.
0: <laughs> Celebration of the owl. That'll be great.
3: Um, or, I mean, a lot a lot of people are, that I've met uh, that I would describe as level zero... Um, it's like, I just want to have a house and a car and be able to support a family. You know, it's like yeah. it's the American dream. Right. Right. You know, right. Like yeah. And there's a jet ski in there somewhere. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's the dream of sort of prosperity and family. Um, right. And a big
0: safety net. Um, sure. You know, so their mortgage might be $2,000 a month, but they've got twenty grand in the bank. So they're feeling like... Oh, I'm I'm safe, I'm good.
2: Maybe take a family vacation. Yeah, like
0: yeah. Just, just
2: like kinda your normal American imaginary American family.
0: Right, going <laughs> let's take the whole family to Italy. Yeah. We're gonna go there and well, I
2: Or even like maybe Disney World or something. Sure, it might not sure. have to be Italy even.
0: Sure, yeah. sure. And that's their idea of more luxuriant. Right. And so nowhere in that and then and of course anybody who they know that has cancer that's that's from bad luck right and and so um it it didn't come from anything so it's kind of like if we're going to convince these people to adopt changes we need to just simply give them a recipe for each little thing and to be like look you can save all this money or look you can you know uh have all this extra luxury or something like that and that's that's the thing that's going to make the big change this podcast is continued in part two
1: don't forget go out to patreon.com slash paul wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts